Sweden's government has declared itself the first feminist government in the world. Yes, really. According to the government website, a feminist government ensures that a gender equality perspective is brought into policymaking on a broad front, both nationally and internationally. Women and men must have the same power to shape society and their own lives, end quote. So... When that feminist government visited Iran, one might expect that the empowered women in this empowered government would be empowered enough to avoid donning the hijab, the Islamic female head covering. Nope. The meeting with Iranian President Hassan Rouhani, the women universally put on headscarves. Apparently, feminism only demonstrates its strength when dealing with Western men who are basically willing to work with feminists, not when dealing with patriarchal societies intent on the subjugation and repression of women. As UN Watch reports, quote, Trade Minister Anne Lind and other female members walked before Iranian President Rouhani on Saturday wearing hijabs, chadors, and long coats in deference to Iran's oppressive and unjust modesty laws which make the hijab compulsory. Such a show of submission follows hard on Deputy Prime Minister Isabella Lovin explaining to the world that Donald Trump represented a threat to female rights. This is kind of indicative of the focus of Western feminists. With the vast majority of sexism wiped off the map in the West, women in the United States comprise a majority of college students and graduate students and earn more than men in 147 out of 150 highly populated cities if they have no kids. Instead of turning internationally, the feminist left has found new windmills to pursue, forcing other people to pay for women's child rearing, fighting for the ability to kill babies in the womb at any stage of pregnancy. That means abandoning women living in actual patriarchal autocracies. So... Why won't Western feminists fight for women living under tyranny? Because that would mean empowering men in their own countries to fight radical Islam. And that would undermine the pacifistic view of Western civilization that too many feminists think is a prereq for female equality. A muscular defense of Western civilization makes feminists uncomfortable. They see that as merely the flip side of the Islamist coin, which is why the only time they bother ripping radical Islam is when they're saying Donald Trump is a member of the Taliban. The result is that women who are actually oppressed have no feminist allies in the West. And that means they're on their own, as those same feminists kowtow to their would-be oppressors. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Alrighty, so we are going to get to SNL. We're going to save the Grammys for tomorrow, I think. There's a lot going on at the Grammys, and I want to do Deconstructing the Culture. We'll do a full-scale deconstruction of the Grammys tomorrow on the show, but we're going to focus on SNL. We're going to talk about Stephen Miller's bombshell debut on the Sunday shows and what that means for the Trump administration. We're going to talk about the left going nuts. But first, we have to say thank you to our advertisers over at Blue Apron. So if you are in need of a fresh meal and something, and you want to cook, you want to, you want to make the meal yourself, you want to make sure that it's healthy, you want to make sure that it's fresh, Blue Apron is the way to go. So the way that it works is that you go to Blue Apron and they have a bunch of recipes from which you can choose. They send you a new recipe every night if you want, and it's like 10 bucks per meal per person. They send you all the ingredients in the mail. So instead of you going to the to the grocery store and stocking up on ingredient, half of which will go rotten in your fridge over the course of the next three months. Blue Apron sends you already made all of the all of the various ingredients that are going to go into the dish. They send you the recipe as well, and then you can make all of the meals in under forty five minutes. So it's a great deal, ten dollars a person, and it's re- it's become a huge thing in LA. Like everybody in LA is using Blue Apron, and they have a freshness guarantee. They promise every ingredient in the delivery is ready to cook when it arrives, or they will make it right. And you can choose from a new variety of recipes every single week, or you can let their culinary team surprise you, and they don't repeat recipes within a year, so you're never going to get bored. So my wife has started looking at the Blue Apron recipes to copy them for, for kosher audiences, specifically because the fact is that, you know, we have 
uh, the same meal like every Tuesday, and it's really horrifying. So Blue Apron makes sure that that doesn't happen anymore, and Blue Apron can do that for you as well. Some of their upcoming meals sound fantastic. It's like udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled eggs, crispy barramundi with quinoa, with quinoa and roasted carrot salad, and then some pork dishes that sound good if you're into pork, if that's your thing. Uh, they have cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice. I mean, these are really top-notch recipes, and you're going to want to check them out. It's blueapron.com slash Shapiro, blueapron.com slash Shapiro. And when you do that, again, you're letting them know that we sent you, which is, it helps us out so that they know that they ought to continue advertising with us. And it also means that they know that uh, that you're listening to the show, which is great. So blueapron.com slash Shapiro. And you get the first three meals free, which is really the best part of the deal. So the first three meals you get free with free shipping if you go to blueapron.com slash Shapiro. So it's like a $30 value. So that's, that's pretty solid value just for using our promo code. Okay, so lots to get to today. But we want to start with SNL. So Don, this is the first week in like five, six, eight, a thousand weeks Donald Trump has not tweeted about Saturday Night Live on Saturday night. And there's a reason for that. And that's because Saturday Night Live has basically turned into the annoyed Donald Trump show. Instead of them actually doing funny things, they've decided it's more important to do things that irritate Donald Trump. And there's always been this aspect to SNL. I mean, going all the way back to the 1970s when they did Chevy Chase's Gerald Ford and he'd bump his head on things and he was like a clumsy oaf, even though Gerald Ford was actually the most athletic president we ever had. He was an all-American linebacker at University of Michigan in football, Gerald Ford. But they portrayed him as a bumbling oaf and it worked. The, the SNL has always been sort of gadflyish against Republican presidents. They don't care about Democrat presidents. They never made fun of Bill Clinton particularly much. Daryl Hammond, but it was kind of weak. Uh, Obama, they never even touched. I mean, Obama was just a worship choir for eight years. Well, now Trump is president, and that means that they are going to dedicate all of their strength and all of their minimal skill toward targeting President Trump. And here's the thing. There's so much about the fact that Donald Trump is president that is actually funny. Okay, it's like there's a lot that's funny about this. Donald Trump is a funny, funny human. Okay, everybody is is sort of funny, but Trump takes it to a new level. Like his tweets are crazy sometimes, and whenever he talks, he talks with this rich self assurance, even if he doesn't know what he's talking about. And he says things that are outrageous, and he has a sense of humor. Like, there's, there's a lot about Donald Trump that you can make fun of, and a lot of the people who surround him are funny. So, Sean Spicer, is his press secretary, is a funny guy inherently because he's sort of this insecure guy who's playing macho on TV. And that's why when Melissa McCarthy last week did her impression of Sean Spicer, it was actually really funny. But now SNL has decided that they're going to f- go full-scale annoy Trump. So we're not going to try to be funny so much as just annoy Donald Trump a lot. So it begins SNL on Saturday night with Leslie Jones. So Leslie Jones has become sort of this this bugaboo of the right ever since Milo went to war with her on, on Twitter over her role in Ghostbusters, which is a terrible film. And so there are a lot of people saying, wouldn't it be funny to tweak Donald Trump by having Leslie Jones play Donald Trump on TV? This, this, this black woman uh, who's very much to the left wouldn't it be really funny? So they constructed a skit just for Leslie Jones to play Donald Trump. And again, I guess the idea here was just to tick off Trump so that he'd tweet about it. And uh, it doesn't really work very well. For a long time, you know, I never thought that it could be a possibility. It's a disaster. You look at Chicago. The bailiff knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Man, Alec is so good. The best, man. He's got so much material for the next four years. Do you really think he's going to do this the next four years? Doesn't he have other stuff to do? I'm not sure, but I mean, who's going to replace him? (laughs) I never dreamed that I could play the president, but then Melissa played Spicer, and I was like, yo, 
Why can't I play Trump? I knew I had to make this happen, so I studied everything about him. Huge. Huge. Drain the swamp of tremendous Muslims. It even started to affect my relationship. Can't we just have sex? Come on, Kyle, I have to practice this. Baby, I'm sorry, okay? It's just you don't even look like Donald Trump. You're too beautiful. Whatever. We already had sex like twice today. Get off me, Jesus. <sighs> but I just had to commit. So is this like a send up on his fragile masculinity? Nope. Is it like a Hamilton thing where you're making a comment on race and politics? Nope, it's about giving America what it wants. Some people couldn't see it. A woman playing Trump? It's an interesting idea, Leslie, but trust me, it'll never fly. Finally, it was the moment of truth. Leslie, you can go in now. Okay. Lonnie, baby! I have a huge idea, bigly. Not gonna happen, Leslie. All right, I mean, I, I understand, I understand. Um, fellas, hey, can I have a minute, please? this whole skit this this one's actually not one of the worst ones this one's actually okay but it's but it's again designed to tick off trump right and people were saying this beforehand the whole reason for casting leslie jones to tick off trump and then they brought melissa mccarthy back i guess under the theory that once you beat a dead horse to death you can continue beating it until it actually decays into just bone so they brought melissa mccarthy back to do sean spicer again and again it's okay but like really aren't you bored with this right? like why don't you bring this back three weeks from now you got to bring it back every single week I'd like to begin with the president's schedule. 3 p.m., President Trump is going to meet with the leader from Central Asia. President... Oh, boy. Um... Almaz... Almaz Bek Atamad Yemedvey. Okay, to discuss the unrest in Kahagastan. Specifically in... So, write that. And they will be joined by his wife. Uh, I'm just going to pass on that one. You know what? Let's just call her Connie. Okay, I have a whole list here of acts that you guys never even write about. Never covered them once. Let's read from the list. Okay, the Bowling Green Massacre. Okay, not the Kellyanne one, the real one. Okay, the horror at Six Flags. The slaughter at Fraggle Rock. The night they drove old Dixie down. Okay? And then there are some lights so it's here. so again they're beating they're beating the dead horse and it's it's not again are these the end of the world no but the entire show is dedicated to Trump this is only the second to four sketches that were dedicated to Donald Trump here's Alec Baldwin doing a People's Court parody 
of Donald Trump. Again, it's like all they have to do, and they don't really care whether people think it's funny or not. They really only care whether Donald Trump gets annoyed enough to tweet about it. So I guess in, there, in that they failed because he didn't tweet about it. The People's Court. This is the plaintiff, the President of the United States. He claims that some phony judges are being very mean to him. He's asking for broad, unchecked power. Will he get it? These are the defendants. There are three judges from the Ninth Circuit Court who heard the case for Trump's travel ban and said, not in our house. They're accused of letting bad hombres pour into this country. Judges, do each of you swear to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God? We, we do. do. Mr. President. I'm good. <laughs> you seated? All right. Thank you. First of all, Mr. Trump, you understand this is a TV court, right? That's okay. I'm a TV president. <laughs> all right, so your travel ban has been rejected as unconstitutional once again, but here you are. Thank what you, are we judge. doing here, man? Well, thank you, Judge, or what do you call a lady judge, a uh, flight attendant, something like that. <laughs> I signed a tremendous travel ban. I didn't read it, but I signed it. People took pictures of me holding up the paper, very official. And these judges have been very disrespectful. I'm right, they're wrong. I want the ruling reinstated. I want the ban reinstated. Also, I Again, want is it, is, this is, I, I really am not, I, I'm not a fan of Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump, and I think that the writing for it is, is really weak. So this was only the third of four. And finally, we get to the one that's actually really bad. The one that was actually really, really bad was Kellyanne Conway. So they, they've been ripping on Kellyanne Conway for a while, which is fine with me. I'm not a big Kellyanne Conway fan. Um, but the way that they ripped on her la uh, on Saturday night really was truly egregious. What they did is they suggested that CNN wouldn't have her on because she was dishonest, because there was that story last week about this. And when they did the skit, instead of just doing it like a horror sketch, like she's haunting the like she's haunting Jake Tapper at CNN, they tried to sexualize it, and it really is kind of insulting and gross. Here's what it looked like. And that'll do it for us on State of the Union. As always, I'm Jake Tapper. Fareed Zakaria, GPS, is next. And we're out. All right, thanks, everyone. Yeah, great show, man. And for what it's worth, I think it was the right call not to let Kellyanne on today. Thank you. I mean, the White House offered her. She just... Got too many credibility issues. Yeah, I'm glad you drew the line. Thanks. Well, have a good night, Mike. All right, man. Back at it tomorrow. Have a good night, Jake. Hello, Jake. <laughs> Do you want a drink? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Kellyanne, what the hell are you doing here? I just want to be a part of the news, Jake. This is how you do it? By breaking into my apartment? What, what was I supposed to do? You weren't answering my calls. You changed your number. I'm not going to be ignored. You don't get it, Kellyanne. You made up a massacre. We can't have you on. But I miss the news. Okay. I want to get mic'd. I want to feel that hot black mic pressed up against my skin. <laughs> How you wore in the news today? Smells like the news. You taste the news in your face, do you? Kellyanne, no! We can't have you on TV if you're just gonna keep lying! Okay, fine. I'll do something else. I'll do something really crazy. 
What if I do a free commercial for Ivanka's shoes? <laughs> Live on air. Would you like that, baby? What? No, that's illegal. So what? Again, this is actually, this is the worst of it. So they've gone so far off the rails now that Kellyanne Conway, who's married and has four children, they're trying to play her as though the reason that she's trying to get on TV is because of sex or something. And now she's trying to hit up Jake Tapper, by the way, also married with two children. If they did this to somebody on the left, everybody would rightly cry sexism. Right? It is. I mean, I'm sorry. This is sexist. It's sexist to take a woman who is on TV. You may not agree with her. You may think she's terrible. You may think she lies a lot. But the idea that she is that she is some sort of sex fiend who's who's you know going over to people's apartments and sexing it up with random dudes on the news is really pretty gross. And this just demonstrates how far the left is willing to go in order to pillory the right. And what they're doing is they're actually undermining their own credibility. There are plenty of credibility issues with the Trump team, and we're going to get to some of those in a little bit. But the left's deep desire to override anything remotely resembling truth in favor of just the most absurd material possible, all it's really doing is it's off-putting half the United States. And yeah, SNL's ratings are good right now, but they're not doing themselves any favors when they go so far over the top that they're actually insulting to the members of the Trump administration, not just kind of gentle mockery or even harsh mockery or even, or even kind of cutting mockery, but turning Kellyanne Conway into a sex fiend. Uh, or suggesting that Donald Trump is legitimately too stupid to do anything. Uh, I, I, there's, there are certain lines that, that you cross at a certain point that are not, you know, I'm not saying anybody should be shut down, but I am saying that it's counterproductive to what they're trying to do, and it's not funny. So that Kellyanne Conway thing is actually so far past the line, it's not even funny. Like, you watch that, and I can see the humor in the Leslie Jones thing, because half of it is is about how she's an incompetent actress, but the Kellyanne Conway thing is so far over the top that it really is is insulting to, to, I think, women generally, actually. And we have to take a short break here and say thank you to our friends over at CISO. So my wife and I have been watching a lot of material over at CISO. It's $3.99 a month, and you get as much comedy as you want. They have all the, all the stand-up comedy that you could possibly want. They have all of the old episodes of SNL when SNL was actually good. They have all of the old British office. Uh, they have backlogs of comedy, all commercial-free. And they have a bunch of new shows as well, some of which are, are really funny, too. They, they also have, all, all, like, Monty Python. They have 30 Rock and Parks and Rec. So if comedy is your thing, if you need a little bit of relaxation, then you want to go to CISO.com, $3.99 a month. And right now, if you go to CISO.com, if you use promo code BEN at checkout, you get one month for free. So you can try it out, see if you like it. CISO.com, and use the promo code BEN at checkout. You get one month for free, no ads. You can stream as much as you want. And it's got all of the stand-up as well. It's got Louis C.K., who's really funny. I'm a big Louis C.K. fan. Uh, it got late, all the late-night shows it, it has. So it's, it's a one-stop shop for comedy. CISO.com, and then use that promo code Ben. Okay, final note on this. It's not just restricted to SNL, of course. The left has lost its mind over Trump. And what they're doing, again, is undermining their own credibility. So Andrew Sullivan, who has been irrelevant for at least five years here. He used to be over at the Atlantic. He used to be considered somewhat of a conservative. He was sort of a pro-Iraq war conservative. Andrew Sullivan, in 2008, he lost his mind, and he started talking about how Trig Palin, Sarah Palin's son, was actually Bristol Palin's son. They had this Trig Birther conspiracy, and then Obama invited him to the White House as some sort of brilliant commentator, and now he is saying that Donald Trump is crazy. Now, some politicians fib and lie. In fact, almost all of them do to some extent. But they always do it in a way that pays some sort of deference to reality. And what we've discovered is that in the last three weeks, this president, rather like he did on the campaign trail, simply insists 
that black is white, that things that we can see with our own eyes, like the size of his inauguration crowd, are not exactly what we're seeing. And he's able to command his underlings to actually go out there and also say things that are empirically untrue. This is not about politics. Is the guy critiquing Donald Trump now? I mean, they're really dragging these corpses out of the woodwork to, to criticize Donald Trump. The guy who thinks that Trig Palin was not actually Sarah Palin's kid. is actually Bristol Palin's kid. Rob Reiner. Like, now they're dragging the, a director who hasn't done anything good since Princess Bride out of, the, out of the walls in order to criticize Trump. He calls Trump a cancer. You're seeing all over the country with protests, and I've been at many of them, is nothing like what I went through when I in the 60s when I protested against the Vietnam War. This is everyone. It's not just people worried about uh, being f- killed in Vietnam. This is everyone. And so we're looking at a, uh, a cancerous presidency that we cannot allow to spread. And so, so many things come at us. Okay, so that's pretty radical rhetoric. Again, cancerous presidents who we cannot allow to spread, so what are you supposed to do, kill it? I mean, are you calling for assassination? What's the, what's the implication here? Again, all of this does is really help Donald Trump. Okay, we're going to have to take a break over at Facebook and YouTube. If you want to watch the rest, you can go over to dailywire.com, become a subscriber for $8 a month. You can subscribe annually, and if you subscribe annually, then you get a free copy of The Arroyo, which is a, a great film by, uh, by Jeremy Boring about the border crisis. It's about a fictional, it's a, it's a fictional film, and it's about uh, this, this rancher who lives on the border, and drug cartels are using his land as a thoroughfare, and what he does about it. Really good film. Dailywire.com to become a subscriber, and join us. We are the most popular conservative podcast in the nation. So, with all of this said about how the left are losing their minds, and SNL has just become a giant, ripped Donald Trump machine, and the celebrities are coming out of the woodwork, and they did it at the Grammys, too. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Trump is not helping himself. So, it would really help if Donald Trump weren't doing so many silly things. So, number one, Trump continues to be on this, this mission about Ivanka Trump's brand being hurt by various companies like Nordstrom's and Sears. This is none of his business. He's the president of the United States. He's not supposed to be using his office in order to stump for private companies owned by his family. It really is inappropriate. He continues to do that. And then he's also turned the Sunday shows into this bizarre session of The Apprentice. So we're already hearing all these rumors about how he wasn't happy with Sean Spicer because Sean Spicer was parodied on SNL. And then there are rumors that he wasn't happy with Ryan's Priebus. And then when people go on the Sunday shows and they don't do a job that he likes, then there are leaks from the White House that he's angry at them. So this week, he sent out his perfect surrogate, a guy named Stephen Miller. So I know Stephen. I've known Stephen uh, for, for a while, actually. We kind of crossed paths peripherally when we were both very young. He was in high school, and I was just starting college at UCLA. And we were both on Larry Elder's show, so uh, that's sort of how we knew each other, or knew of each other, is, is more appropriate. And then we crossed paths again a couple of years ago when he was the, uh, the Senator Sessions, who's now the Attorney General. When he was Attorney General, Sessions' is aide, uh, we were at uh, a David Horowitz Freedom Center event, and we met there, and uh, we had some long talks about immigration with Ann Coulter. It was a lot of fun. In any case, Stephen's, uh, I think Stephen is a good guy, but Stephen is very ambitious, and Stephen is very hard-charging. And so he was on all of the Sunday shows. And on the Sunday shows... He presented to Donald Trump. Okay, this is what this was. This was not about him telling the truth to the American people or about making an appealing case for Donald Trump's travel ban. What it really was was just Stephen Miller trying to demonstrate to Donald Trump his loyalty. And this is dangerous in any administration. You don't want the aides to the president using national television as a way of getting through to the president just how loyal they are to the president. You know, these sort of lackeys going on national TV and saying whatever Trump wants them to say. And naturally, Trump, right after Miller was on, 
congratulated Miller. Here was Trump's tweet, actually, about Miller. He said, congratulations, Stephen Miller, on representing me this morning on the various Sunday morning shows. Great job. So he's giving him open job reviews in front of 20 million people because he was on all the Sunday shows. So he's now turned the Sunday shows into an episode of The Apprentice. We're all living in Donald Trump's world, and he's the one ruling it, apparently. So here's what it actually looked like when Stephen Miller was on all the Sunday shows. There's a compilation that Morning Joe put together, and it's not great. It's not great. Do you feel like you and your staff there that you're in control of events at the White House? I think to say that we're in control would be a substantial understatement. We have equal branches of government in this country. The judiciary is not supreme. There's no such thing as judicial supremacy. Mm -hmm. What the judges did, both at the ninth and at the district level, was to take power for themselves that belong. Okay, so the the first thing that he says there, right, where he says to say that we're in control is an understatement. (laughs) Is like it, some of what he's saying here about judicial supremacy, I'm fine with. The idea that the, the judicial branch is not the supreme arbiter of the Constitution, I'm okay with that. I've said that last week. I think that the interplay between the branches is a good thing. I think that the judiciary ripping on Trump and Trump ripping on the judiciary and the legislature ripping on both, that's actually not a terrible thing for the system. But when he leads off by saying to say we're in control is an understatement, he sounds like the, uh, again, I like Stephen, but this is wild stuff. I mean, he sounds like that guy from the first Star Wars film who's talking about the Death Star in front of Darth Vader, and he says, we are now the ultimate power in the galaxy. I suggest we use it. You know, and he's like almost orgasmic over how powerful he is because of the Death Star. And you're getting that sort of impression. We are so in control, it will make your mind spin. I mean, like, really, are are Americans watching this and feeling comfortable that President Trump is really in control, or does it just look amateur-esque? So here, here is more of Stephen Miller squarely in the hands of the president of the United States. Stephen, the three judges say you're flat wrong. No, the three judges made a broad, overreaching statement. This is an ideological disagreement between those who believe we should have borders and should have controls and those who believe there should be no borders and no controls. This is a judicial usurpation of power. The end result of this, though, is that our opponents, the media, and the whole world will soon see as we begin to take further actions, that the powers of the president to protect our country are very substantial and will not be questioned. And right the there, I'm sorry, that, that last part is so crazy, okay? The powers of the president are very substantial and will not be questioned. Are you looking me straight in the eye? They will not be questioned. Okay, if you're trying to give the impression to the American people that you care about their input, if you're trying to give the impression to the American people that you're just doing what's best for them, if you're trying to give the impression to the American people that you're in control but you hear concerns, the best way to do that is not to send out a surrogate who says things like, we are in control, we have the ultimate power, we know what we know, and our powers are unchecked, and no one will question them. I mean, this is just... I understand that you're auditioning for President Trump. I understand that you're trying to please the kind of authoritarian side of Trump, but don't do it. It undermines what Trump's actually trying to do. And Trump, if Trump doesn't get that, then Trump's being a fool, really. I mean, because Trump has to understand that what really matters here is whether or not he's going to be able to promulgate policy, not the generalized impression of how powerful he is and how strong his hands are and all this kind of nonsense. It's really, it's really silly, silly stuff. And again, there's more of it. It continues. Is the president's powers in this area represent the apex of executive authority. We will have unquestioned military strength beyond anything anybody can imagine. We have a president who has done more in three weeks than most presidents have done in an entire administration. Saying that we stand with our ally, having the two men appear on camera worldwide to all of planet Earth was a statement that will be understood very well 
by North Korea. I'm not going to make a comment on that. I don't have any information on it. I do want to say that Sean Spicer, as always, is 100% correct and that what he said is true and important, and I agree with it. So then you are making a comment on it. I'm not going to make any new comment. It is a fact, and you will not deny it, that there are massive numbers of non-citizens in this country who are registered to vote. That is a scandal. We should stop the presses. That's the story we should be talking about. And I'm prepared to go on any show, anywhere, anytime, and repeat it and say the President of the United States is correct 100%. Wow. Okay, so I understand, again, that he's trying to audition for for President Trump, but this sort of language, again, it's so off-putting. It's really off-putting. And some of what he—here's the problem. It's obscuring some of what he's saying that's true, right? So when he says things like, the judicial supremacy of the Ninth Circuit is, is is overweening. That the decision that they made last week is bizarre, and it is. It's a bizarre, silly decision, and, and there are many reasons why it's bizarre and silly. They basically rule that everyone on planet Earth now has the capacity to sue for the right to enter the country. They're suggesting that everyone on planet Earth is covered by the Constitution under due process. You know, there, there are a lot of problems with the Ninth Circuit decision, but all of that gets washed away in the midst of this, this kind of sleazy, I'm-in-control routine. Right? You will not deny it. Well, why not? What are you, you going to tell me what to do? Really? Like, I can deny whatever I want. Right? You will not deny it. Sean Spicer is 100% correct all of the time. Every single thing he says is right. Really? I mean, I, I, again, there's a mini-me thing going on. And this is one of the problems with every administration. It's true for Obama. It's true for Trump. And here's how it works. Okay, so if you're the president of the United States, people sort of get what you are. People who work for you understand what you're looking for. And because they understand what you're looking for, they begin playing up to you. They begin trying to to direct their policy toward pleasing you. This is probably what happened in the IRS scandal under Obama. Obama was saying things like, Citizens United is a terrible decision. There are all of these nonprofits that are that are forming and they're attempting to, to push politics in violation of IRS law. We should probably shut that down. And the folks at the IRS don't need a direct letter. So the left kept saying, there's no smoking gun. There's no letter from Obama to Lois Lerner saying that Lois Lerner ought to, ought to crack down on conservative 501c3 applicants. There didn't need to be. Okay, if you are the head of a two million person bureaucracy, people are going to play up to you because they understand that's a way to rise in the world. So if you're President Obama and you're at the IRS, the IRS is going to play up to you. They're going to try and direct as much policy as they can toward pleasing you. If you're President Trump and you are obviously insecure and you tweet all the time about how much people love you and how much people adore you, then the people who work for you are going to spend an awful lot of time demonstrating to you how much they love and adore you, how nothing you've ever done is wrong, how your power is unquestioned and no one can question it. But this authoritarian language doesn't exist in a vacuum. So when you are, so, so all that's happening is a bureaucratic enabling of President Trump's worst instincts. The stuff about President Trump that's good is when he can control himself and, go- and, and make good policy. And we saw some of that in the first couple of weeks. And ever since the first couple of weeks, so for the last week and a half, all we've seen from President Trump is a bunch of neurotic crap that is, that is not designed toward making good policy. It's been all about bloviating about his ego. And if that's what the presidency is going to be, just a bunch of people enabling him in the hopes that maybe they'll get something that they want from him, then this is not going to be a successful presidency. And I want to see President Trump be successful. I want to see President Trump actually be a good president. But when you have Stephen Miller sitting there saying he's done more in the first three weeks than most presidents do an entire administration, what the hell is he talking about? I'm sorry, I liked a lot of what he did. Like picking Neil Gorsuch, great. Okay, that's good. Some of these executive orders are good. I've said that. I like like 75% of what he's doing on policy. But the idea that 
that he's done more in his first three weeks than most presidents have done for four years. Now, maybe there's something strategic going on on the part of Miller, and it's not just self-preservation, although my, my guess is that it's self-preservation. There may be something else going on. You know, Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan are doing the same thing. Maybe they hope that by wheedling Trump, by, by kissing his, his royal tuchus, that by continuing to, to push themselves in front of the Trump train or get behind the Trump train and push from behind, that what they're going to do is convince Trump to do the things they want to do. If they're nice to him, then he will eat them last. It's not going to happen. All that, ha- all that happens is that Trump's ego then inflates, and then in that, in that moment of ego-inflating greatness, he decides that he's going to push the stuff that he wants, not the stuff that you want. So the question is going to become, how do you get the best of Trump without the worst of Trump? And so far, nobody seems to be able to confront that conundrum. Instead, what we're getting is the worst of Donald Trump in the last couple of weeks pushed forward by supporters like Stephen Miller and sycophants who are saying that Stephen Miller did a great job. Again, I think Stephen's a smart guy. I think Stephen's a driven guy. This was really bad stuff. It was really bad stuff. And it doesn't help when you have Donald Trump patting you on the head like some sort of great dictator sitting behind the table in the Situation Room watching CNN and MSNBC and then tweeting out, I love what Stephen Miller just did. It's phenomenal. It's just great. No one cares. Okay, that's in, The American people don't care whether Donald Trump likes Stephen Miller and turning his own staff into a version of The Apprentice does not help forward an agenda. All it does is boost Trump's ego, which is something that no one should really care about. Now, you would think that the Democrats would be saying some stuff like this, right? That maybe the Democrats would be picking up on the, on the chaos inside the administration. Instead, the Democrats are obviously incompetent. So the mayor of my glorious city, Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, who is really one of the most milquetoast human beings around, he's now saying that the LAPD should not enforce immigration laws, even at the cost of federal dollars. Why? Because he says that the LAPD doesn't have time to enforce immigration laws government force um, the LAPD to pick people up for immigration rates? No, and, and think about it practically. I, I couldn't have my officers solving robberies, homicides, rapes, burglaries, if they suddenly became deputized. It's not only against the law, uh, but we have always said the most conservative police chief we probably ever had started this policy in the 70s because mm-hmm. he knew you have to have the trust of the people we police, but also just logistically, we would stop solving crimes in Los Angeles if we became immigration agents. Yeah, absolutely, because uh, people have to trust law enforcement. I mean, they can't think yeah. It's not true in the slightest. I've, I have many friends on LAPD, and what they say is that a large part of the gang problem in Los Angeles that's leading to a major rise in crime is the control from beneath the American border uh, by Mexican drug cartels. The, the flow of illegal immigrants has not helped the, the crime problem in the city of Los Angeles, and it would be much better if they could work with the feds in order to curb the illegal immigration problem because that would stop feeding the gangs because people come here and then they can't get a job and they immediately fall prey. And some people, anyway, minority of people, fall prey to a lot of gangs and violence. Uh, that's, that's really a problem. Most people in L.A. actually understand this. But again, the left is so far off the reservation that they have no capacity to stop Trump, even though Trump is actually sort of a, a, a weak president right now. He's not a strong president, actually kind of weak. Chuck Schumer, uh, he's, he's having trouble. Instead of just saying that he's not going to vote on Neil Gorsuch because Gorsuch's view of the Constitution is not his own, he's now forced to go out there and say silly things about Neil Gorsuch. He wrote in the New York Times uh, that he, quote, refused to answer rudimentary questions in your interview with him, and you said that was a real challenge. But both Democratic and Republican nominees for that court spot in the past have refused to answer questions all the time. That's what they do. So this doesn't seem to me to be uh, something that's particularly new for a Supreme Court justice or, or one that's been nominated to refuse to answer questions they might have to rule on if they get on the bench. Okay, what's particularly new, John, is that we have a president 
who is overreaching dramatically, who shows little respect for rule of law, who seems to violate the Constitution in his first three weeks, and intimidates judges who have cases before them. Stop this right demand- there again. This is so silly. If, if Schumer had any sort of strategic know-how here, he would just let Gorsuch go and then focus on the next pick by Trump. But instead, he's going to fight Gorsuch here with every tooth in, in, his, in his addled old mouth. You know, when, when, when Schumer says things like, Trump has no respect for the rule of law, dude, Barack Obama had a bunch, a bunch of Supreme Court rulings 9-0 against him because of executive overreach. When he talks about President Trump is fighting the judiciary, Barack Obama in 2010, we showed the clip last week, attacked the judiciary directly. He attacked the Supreme Court in the State of the Union address. So again, all of this is nonsense, and the Democrats don't know what to do here. Al Franken, I mean, now that now they're relegated to trot, they love SNL so much, they're now relegated to trotting out an old SNL star who's now a senator, Al Franken. Al Franken is saying that, that Trump must be just crazy. He's, he's out of his mind. Is it true that Republican colleagues of yours express concern about President Trump's mental health? A few. Really? Yeah. It's not the majority of them. It's a few. In, in what way? In the way that we all have this suspicion that, you know, that he's not, he lies a lot. Um, he says things that aren't true. That's the same as lying, I guess. Um, he, you know, three to five million people voted illegally. Uh, there was a new one about people going in from Massachusetts to New Thousands and thousands in a bus, yeah. Yeah, and, um, you know, that is not the norm. Uh, it's also pre- not not stealing an election against Norm Coleman in Minnesota and then being in the Senate as an SNL star. Like, that was his entire resume. So that's 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 not the norm either. Meanwhile, Bernie Sanders is, is on and on about this immigration plan. Again, the, the Democrats have no idea how to deal with Trump because here's the thing about what Trump is doing. A lot of what he's doing is actually popular. Look at the polls. He's not popular, but a lot of what he's doing is popular. So he's actually got the, up, the, the, the exact opposite problem of Barack Obama. Barack Obama was personally popular and everybody hated his policies. People like Trump's policies, but they think he's a crap bag. That's basically what the, what the polls are showing right now. So if Trump could control himself for five seconds, he'd be in good shape. But the Democrats, instead of going after Trump's persona, the egotism, the overweening arrogance, instead of doing that, they're going after the policies that are actually kind of popular. So here's Bernie Sanders talking about how his immigration plan is just racist. We want to be 100% clear that anybody who comes into this country should not be coming into this country to do us harm. But what you just heard Mr. Miller say is a shell game. While there's a whole lot of discussion about the racist, in my view, immigration policies of the Trump administration, which are based on anti-Muslim ideology, which are doing us enormous harm all over the world, something else is going on at the exact same moment. Okay, so Bernie Sanders, again, playing the race card. So here's what the Democrats have deployed thus far. There are the thousand protesters who decided to form the word resist in the sand in L.A. Trump is still president. SNL is deploying all their resources against Trump. Trump is still president. They're calling him a racist and a sexist and a crazy person. And Trump is still president. Well, maybe the way to battle Trump is actually just to tell the simple truth. Okay, maybe that's the best way to battle Trump, just like that's the way to battle any politician. And maybe if everybody has the same standard, simple truth, then we'll actually get truth from both sides instead of getting it from neither side. It's one of the great irritations of my life. You've got the left criticizing Trump for false reasons, and you've got Trump responding with falsity in response. You don't need to do any of that. 
whichever side tells the truth first is going to end up winning. And I just hope that it's the I, I just hope that it's the side that agrees with my priorities. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things I hate. So things I like, we're gonna be doing some some children's material this week. So there's a great series. It's from it's probably from the fifties called um, the the Half Magic series. Uh, by Edward Eager, and these are great books for children. Okay, they're very literate. Uh, they're they're wonderful. It's about the the series of uh, the series of siblings and friends who have all of these adventures with magic, and uh, very very clever. It's a book of seven. It's a it's a series of seven books. You can check it out at Amazon.com. It starts with half magic. It's a lot to do with chivalry and. Uh, it takes place in in Great Britain in like the 1940s. Uh, it's it's really it's really terrific stuff. I think you can get it for for cheap on paperback from Amazon. Um, but well worth reading. It's for kids who are probably seven or eight and older. Seven or eight and older would probably be the ages for this. Uh, and it's again it's it's a great gateway also into great literature. Uh, like they make open references to Ivanhoe and Sir Walter Scott. It's that kind of series. It's 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 a series that will elevate. Your kid at the same time is really entertaining. So the Half Magic series by Edward Eager, uh, that is a thing that I like. Uh, I'm, I'm going to save a thing I like actually for tomorrow. We'll do Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So remind me, guys, we'll do that tomorrow okay. because, uh, because I have a particular analysis. I figured out who the real villain in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is. So we'll do that. My daughter insisted we watch that this morning, and I have new insight into that, into that movie. Okay, time for some things I hate. So Sarah Silverman is one of the dumbest humans on planet Earth. Uh, she's this comedian who has made her fortune from basically doing the little girl voice and saying super dirty things. That's basically what Sarah Silverman does. Her whole shtick is, I'm going to say super vulgar things, but I'm going to do it in a little girly voice. Isn't it funny? Ha ha ha. Well, she also happens to be just an absolute dumbass around politics. And so here's, here's what she, so she tweeted this out the other day. Walking to get coffee, saw these all over a sidewalk in the town I'm in. Is this an attempt at swastikas? Do neo-Nazis not have Google? Okay, and what, what the picture actually shows, if you can't see it, is it looks like an S with a line through it. Right? That's what it looks like. Okay, so for people who are utterly ignorant, this looks like a swastika. For people who are not utterly ignorant, it looks nothing, nothing like a swastika. You know what that actually is? It's a construction mark. It's an actual construction mark. So if you walk around any major city, you will see that mark all over the sidewalk because it's supposed to use it's supposed to designate a spot for where there's a pipe or a wire underneath apparently right that's what it means but she thinks that people are spray spray painting swastikas and then she wonders why people don't take her seriously about politics it's probably because of that you stupid idiot it's it's again it's hard enough to to fight anti-semitism without people making up instances of anti-semitism to fight and I'm sorry, but you walking past a surveying mark on the sidewalk, that's not a sign of neo-Nazis out to get you, Sarah Silverman, you stupid, stupid, stupid human. Okay, other things that I hate. So Bill Maher had on Piers Morgan, and I'm now going to be forced to defend Piers Morgan, and I hate this so much. As a person who is instrumental in ending Piers Morgan's CNN career, let me just say that Piers Morgan's wrong about virtually everything. But here he's actually right. And this again shows you that the left has no capacity to have a real argument. Piers Morgan says something correct, and immediately other people on Bill Maher's show immediately begin saying "f you" to Piers Morgan. She wouldn't have a Muslim ban. They, they wouldn't have a Muslim ban. They wouldn't be feuding with everybody in the world. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be doing this with Russia. Are you crazy? Calm down, Bill. There is no Muslim ban. If there was, oh, sorry. Why don't we? This is a talk about the hysteria. I'm talking about 85 percent of okay, the world's Muslims are allowed into the This is what you do, this this is is what you do Pierce. You say uh, he hasn't done this, he hasn't done that, he's not going to do all these things. Give him a 
fucking chance, mate. And you know what I mean? Why not? Hitler didn't doing... kill the Jews on the first day. He worked up to it. <laughs> mate. All right. That, that, see, I have to stop you. That, that is the exact... That is the exact... Ridiculous, hysterical, over-the-top nonsense. If people are hysterical in Germany like you, right away, then it wouldn't have come He's not the new Hitler. You just like you just like that you won the apprentice and you have a famous friend, mate. That's all you can I say one thing? I know that's all you like. That's all you like. You're losing your audience. I'm not losing my audience. Because you're sounding unpleasant. And you're also not basic. Here's what I here's what I hate about this. So two things. One, he's right that Piers Morgan only likes Trump because he won the, won the Apprentice. That's actually true. But what, it, but what he's saying there about how Hitler didn't kill all the Jews on the first day of this routine. Okay, again, Donald Trump's Muslim ban is not a Muslim ban. Even if it were a Muslim ban, that would not be the same as genociding six million Jews. Let's, let's stop pretending that Donald Trump is some sort of genocidal maniac because you have no evidence of any of that. And yet the left cheers this because the more hysterical you are on the left, the more people are going to take you seriously. It seems like the same thing on the right to a certain extent. The more hysterical you are, the more people take you seriously. If both sides begin to engage in this sort of politics, then politics is over. Politics is just done. There's no room for a rational, truth-based politics. We're going to continue fighting for that rational, truth-based politics no matter what side you're on. We appreciate it. Tomorrow we'll be back and we will be talking Grammys because there was a lot to analyze, including what the hell was CeeLo wearing? He looked like he was dressed up as like a gold statue. I don't know what the story was. Anyway. Oh, he's the new Power Rangers villain. Good call from, from Austin. Okay, we'll talk all about that. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.